Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Thank you for joining us today. And um, we took a week off. We did an extra hour-long episode last uh, two weeks ago because I had to go on vacation and I enjoyed it. Yes, I had to go on vacation. <laughs> so, but I'm back here with Dr. Daniels. Welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Uh, good day. It's good to have you back. I'm glad you all came back safe and I hope you had a wonderful time and you're refreshed and ready to just hit, 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 hit the road running. Yes, I am. Now, um, got another topic today for you, Pastor. So let's talk about sex, okay? Um, how we can do it, when we can do it, and who we can do it to. Now, in 2018, did things change all of a sudden? Was there a new book in here added, Dr. Daniels? <laughs> or, or let's talk about that. So let's let's get into that. Um, but you sent me some some books of the Bible on Leviticus and, and what's the book of laws, mm-hmm. and and I was uh, reading through that. And it gets very specific on what you should and shouldn't do um, when right. it comes to sex. And and also viewing people naked, which I thought was Absolutely. interesting. Well, when it says viewing naked, what it means is it was a polite way of talking about um, experiencing them sexually. Gotcha. Right? gotcha. So, yeah, you're, you're right. The, the Bible talks about um, sexual intercourse. The Bible talks about intimacy. And the Bible talks about sex that is prohibited. And, and oftentimes when um, Christians uh, or, just, or non-Christians, because this is what we know, Christians and non-Christians engage in sexual intercourse. Right? Right. We, we know this. Uh, when, when, when the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply, we know that that requires you know, some sexual activity. Right. The other thing I think that we don't always think about is that if, if, if God did not look at that as being something that he was blessing, he would not have made it so pleasurable. You know, he would have made it such that it would have been a chore to do, but something that you felt you had to do to reproduce. So obviously he made it to be pleasurable for a good reason. So what you have then is the Bible looks at, well, what are the taboos of sex? And that's, you know, a lot of the things that we talk about in in Leviticus that you see, what are the taboos of sex? And, and then he, he talks about uh, in, uh, in, in Solomon's work, it, it talks about the idea of intimacy and, and, and the beauty of intimacy, uh, because the way the Bible views uh, the relationship between a man and a woman is that that encounter that we call sex is not just a, a five to 30 minute episode or an hour episode. It is a all day long episode. It, it starts in the morning when you wake up and it only concludes when you close your eyes. That intimacy and sex are intertwined. And, and then if you look at in Hebrews, where um, uh, Paul specifically addresses the relationship with a man and a wife, um, uh, Paul says that the, the bed is undefiled, that marriage is honorable in all things and the bed is undefiled, which indicates that what a husband and a wife perform in the luxury or the confines of their bed is all blessed by God. Uh, and, and oftentimes people don't think about it that way. They just think that the, the standard missionary approach uh, to, to intimacy is all that the, you know, the Bible says is okay. Right. So, so basically, if you're married, you can get as freaky as you want to get. If you're married, you can get as freaky as you want to get. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and God, 
And, and the pleasure was made for us to be there. Right. I mean, you think about this, for example. Um, uh, how many TVs did they have back, you know, before Christ was born? <laughs> Zero. No TVs, right? Uh, how, you know, no games, you know, you know, no, 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 none of the things that we may have to entertain us. Right. And, and, and so, um, so, the, so it was for pleasure. It was, it was an added pleasure, you know. Uh, so, uh, so as you say, that's what, that, that's why I say the bed is undefiled. Right. So, so married couples should engage in, in healthy sex. It is, it is the, 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 the most intimate thing that a couple should have, uh, for, at their disposal to, so they can become one. You know, the Bible says that for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and the two shall become one. And you think about, that when when sex is is um, entwined with intimacy, it really is a feeling that now we can really be one, and right. and, and, and and that's what it's all about. Yeah, it, it is. It is one thing about it when you're intimate throughout the throughout the day. Mm-hmm. That's when you start really getting that real connection, where you can get to the point where you can almost understand what your spouse is thinking before it even happens. Absolutely. You know, in, in the um, in the Song of Solomon, in the Song of Solomon, for example, um, the Bible talks about intimacy. In, in fact, uh, Solomon talks about um, this 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 young lady um, and how his mind is always thinking about her, how, he, you know, she is always on his mind. He's. She's all he can think about and, and how much joy it brings to him to think about her. Uh, in fact, he, he describes her intimately, you know, the shape of her breasts, her body and all those kind of things and how it feels just to just to be close and how to touch her. And, and she says the same thing about him. She talks about how when she thinks about um, their their encounters that it causes her to to want to search him out wherever he is and 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 to be with him, you know, and and so that's that kind of intimacy uh, when it is it is about letting your spouse know um, what pleasure they bring to you and and how wonderful it is just to be close to them to 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 to, to touch to smell to to just experience them as a, as an entity that's close to you. And, and so that brings about um, uh, a closeness that is difficult even to describe, but one that is unique in the human experience, you know, uh, and, and one that you can't not duplicate without the advantage of marriage. All right. So now let me dive into that one. So you're saying that I cannot have that unless I'm married, but there's going to be plenty of people out there that say, Pastor, truthful mm-hmm. I've experienced that without being married uh, I would say a person that that says they experience intimacy without being married uh, doesn't understand intimacy now I'm not saying that there are people who are not married that don't experience what they consider to be uh, exciting um, sex but sex and intimacy are not the same mm-hmm. intimacy can lead to sex but that just because you're in a sexual being doesn't mean that you are expressing intimacy. You know, um, I, I would say um, like this intimacy 
is the ability to be vulnerable in every aspect of your life. Mm. Okay. And it is that vulnerability that allows us to be one. You see, how can we be one unless you and I are so vulnerable that we feel like we are intertwined? Okay. It is difficult when you're single to be that vulnerable. Yeah. It's extremely difficult. It's difficult to be that vulnerable married. Right. Even married. Right. So it's not an easy thing to do. But when you can be that vulnerable, see, that's what allows for that true intimacy. And that's that's what the song, Song of Songs that Solomon wrote. Uh, that's what that talks about, is that ability to be so vulnerable that we are not seen as two separate wholes, but we are two separate halves that come together to make a whole. And, and that we feel like that unless we are together, we are not whole. And so that 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 coming together, that's, that relationship is kind of like a symbiotic relationship where um, if you detach us, we die. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I just don't see how anyone who's single and I have been single and now I'm married, been married since 1982. I don't know how anyone who's single can experience that kind of vulnerability because there's a fear, really, that most single people have of being that vulnerable. Right. There's a fear of married people to even be that vulnerable. Right. Because I, I was going to ask was, does that really coincide with the divorce rate of today? Because if you're really that intertwined with somebody and that vulnerable mm-hmm. and you're together like that, mm-hmm. it's not that easy to split up. It, it would, it's almost impossible to split up. You know, consider this. Um, there are animals um, that mate for life, right? Mm-hmm. They mate for life. Now, but, but the thing is this, is they, they are completely dependent upon one another. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I give you an example. If you take um, certain species of eagles, for example, where when that one parent is on that egg, on that nest and that other parent is out searching for food, that parent won't leave that egg. Right. That parent stays right there and, and suffers through the harshest of conditions waiting for one to come back. That's, 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 that's the uh, dependency of, of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. The same thing with certain, uh, like the, uh, certain, certain penguins, right? Mm-hmm. That when that female hatches that egg, the male takes that egg and that male is responsible for the egg. And that male might go months without eating while that female goes back out to sea mm-hmm. and then comes back, you know, and then once that female gets back, then that male that, that, it, it, the, she has to prompt that male to release that chick right. to him because they have a codependence that one cannot survive without the other. In the human sense, we don't necessarily feel that way or we don't necessarily connect that way. That makes it easy to leave. And so that's why I'm saying if I am intimate, in, uh, intimacy is when we are as one, right? Now, if I... The Bible, again, says that if I am one with someone, I keep nothing from myself, right? I don't keep anything from me. Mm -hmm. By the same token, if I understand that intimacy with my spouse, that means I keep nothing from that person, right? Very few relationships where you feel 
are comfortable enough to let that person know 100% what your likes and dislikes are. You know, mm-hmm. and again, I, I take go back to Hebrews uh, where it says the bed is undefiled. You know, very few relationships where people are comfortable in, in that bedroom specifically, you know, letting people know what their likes and dislikes are. There's a fear because of the lack of intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a woman ain't going to tell you everything. Not necessarily. She may, but she, it, it, let's say, let's just say for sake of argument, she's a little more experienced than you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, she can't tell you everything <laughs> right. for fear of you saying, well, where in the world you get this from? <laughs> right. You know, right. Whatever, right? You may be afraid to tell her everything. So she won't say, you little nasty dog. Right. I'm not going to do that. You know, but again, see, the Bible says it's undefiled, which means what? In the sanctity of your home, your body is meant for her pleasure and her body was meant for your pleasure. In fact, the Bible says there's only one reason why you should abstain. And that's when you're fasting and praying, right? When you're connecting with God, that's when it is okay to say no. Otherwise, the Bible says that no should not be in your vocabulary when it comes to sharing yourself sexually with your spouse, right? So we know that that's in the Bible. We know from um, Solomon that intimacy, that, that, that longing for an individual is something that the Lord has placed within us and that that's how we should be responding to each other. We know that. And so I'm saying that, it, you know, if you really want to connect like that, that's how we have to do. And the Bible gives us, the formula gives us what we need and an outline for how to make that happen. And when you get that kind of intimacy, that's when the two really do become one. Uh, without that, we become like what people think it's about. And that is the heightened part of a sexual in- encounter. But um, let's face it, the first time you eat ice cream, it's the best thing you ever had, <laughs> right? Right. But eat it every day. Mm-hmm. Eat that same ice cream every day. Right. And it all changes. It's not the best thing you've had no more, right? So you have to be able to add something to it so that ice cream still stays like, you know what? This is the best thing I've ever had, you know? And, and that's what intimacy does. See, intimacy allows for those encounters to always be like it's the best thing that I am, I, I, I'm having. But it also does something else. It focuses you in on that person. See, mm-hmm. without intimacy, people will seek that kind of excitement somewhere else because right. their thought will be it could be better with somebody else. Right. If there's intimacy there, you don't think that way because you know I can get no, I can't get closer to anyone else than I can get with you, mm-hmm. and therefore it won't be as heightened, it won't be as um, fulfilling with anyone like it is with you. Right. And that's why intimacy is so important. And, and as you mentioned earlier, the Bible talks about intimacy. It talks about sex between married couples, but it also talks about some prohibitions. Right. You know all. When you should not be, you know, lusting or right. engaged in sexual activity. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so this is a, a question. So now you got, you got two, you got, uh, let's say you have a married couple and they've been married, say 20 years mm-hmm. and they, they want to spice things up mm-hmm. in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, 
the husband comes to the door with a couple of tapes from the local uh, video store. <laughs> and he pops the tapes in there. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, right? All right, he pops the tapes in there. Is it okay to have the tapes on or is that a sin? So, Bob, now you asked me about pornography. Yes. Okay, so it's, it's, it's porn. Let me, put, let me put it to you this way. If I need pornography to heighten my relationship, I am not where I need to be in my relationship. Right. So that in and of itself should speak to the person to say, I'm not doing something right. Right. Okay. Because that shouldn't even be an issue. You know, um, that would be kind of like, you know, um, that would be kind of like having a, uh, a Pepsi Cola and, and then saying, it, um, but it's not sweet enough. So let me put three teaspoons of sugar in it. Right. right. Because after I've drank it over a series of time, I find it is no longer as sweet as I want it to be. Right. Well, if you're a Pepsi drinker, you don't think that way. Right. You don't think now I need to put more sugar in it. Right. Right. Uh, unless they decrease the sugar content. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is say this is that this, the scene has already been committed before the, before the pornography came in. Right. A scene has already been committed because you've already gone against what God would have you go against. In that, you know, Jesus said this way. He says, if you lust in your heart, you have already sinned. Okay. So the fact that in my mind, I felt like I needed to see another woman, I've already lusted. So that was the sin. Right. So getting the pornography is just, you know, and, and uh, a continuation of that same thing. Right. Because what I'm doing is, if I got to bring pornography in, I'm not lusting after my wife. I'm lusting after that surrogate and my wife just happens to be the object of what I'm really, you know, of something else. Right. Because if my wife, I'm saying she's the object, wrong, wrong term. If my wife was the object is what I meant to say. If my wife was the object, I would need the other woman to look at. Right. Now, to get real, let's go off in the weeds a little bit. Mm -hmm. So in, in the Bible, countless times, God would instruct man or man will sleep with the servant because the woman wasn't able to bear children. Mm -hmm. Right. So was that a sin or not? Well, okay. You're, and you're looking at how the Old Testament was set right. up, right? Okay. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said that um, in the beginning that God designed for man and woman to marry. And for that to be it, right? Okay, for life, no divorce. He said, but because of the hardness of men's hearts, right, that divorce and other things came about. And I think the best example of, of that is found uh, in, in, in the book of Genesis, where Abraham could not, Abraham's wife Sarah could not bear a child, right? right? And so what Sarah does is she gets uh, Hagar. Um, her mistress to bear the child. Now, the outcome tells us that wasn't God driven. Right. That's for a couple of reasons. Right. Number one, Sarah gets upset. Right. <laughs> right. And puts the woman out. Right. Secondly, the Lord tells Abraham, what? 
the son you got from her is not the one that, right. that I promised you. Promised you. Right. So he's telling him right there, that's not how I'm establishing things. Sarah is going to bear a child. Okay, so then how does that happen? That doesn't happen because God said do it. Mm-hmm. It happened because Sarah said, I want to spice it up for you. I want to give I want to give you a, a, a someone else to have a child. Right. I want to make you happy through another woman. So that wasn't a God thing. That was a man thing. Now, it, was Sarah punished by God? Was did he did he strike her dead for for making for making a mistake? No, he didn't. Uh, it was just like with um, King Solomon, just like with you know King David. David, you know, unfortunately, um, was not the kind of man that <laughs> stayed true to one woman. Right. But David's family life was horrible. You know, if you think about it, you know, he had. He had one son that raped his one of his daughters, right? He had another son that was was going to kill him and take over the throne. Right. So you know, obviously, even though those things happened, it was like it was something that was you know you know where God was approving of. Else, all of that problems, all those problems wouldn't have happened. So, are you saying that basically, in a nutshell, that? To, to go back to what people usually say about karma, mm-hmm. like if you do stuff, negative things, it, it somehow comes back to you in a certain way. It may not be the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. This, is that something similar going on here where the sin isn't the sin that you've done is you actually paying for it almost immediately? Um, if not, you know, you know, almost immediately, if not down in, later on in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, here's the thing. There's no there's there's there is no. Um, sin that goes unpunished, you know, is not. Right. And that doesn't mean that it keeps us out of heaven. Right. But there is no sin that goes unpunished. In fact, you know, the Bible says, "Those I love, I chase and rebuke." So obviously, if you do something God doesn't like, He's gonna let you know so that you won't keep repeating that and thinking He approves of it. Okay. Right. So, so obviously, you know, that's a part of it. In fact, you know, again, we use David for example. Right. Um, David's uh, um, first child out of his, you know, when he, you know, sees a woman bathing, he takes her, you know, in and gets her pregnant. Right. Um, the child dies. And, and, and David is told by the prophet that, you know, God was not pleased with you for that. Mm-hmm. And, and so we know that, that there is a price to pay, you know, for those kind of things. If you look in Leviticus, it, where it talks about, well, what if you have sex with someone that God has already disapproved of, you know, in, in particular, uh, blood relatives, right? You know, your aunt, uncles, you know, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, your mother, right. sister. Then it says that those people will not be able to bet. They will be childless, right? So apparently he's saying, what I'm going to put, a, I'm going to curse them so that that, that they won't be able to bear a child. They will be childless uh, for, for some reason. So the scripture says that, yes, um, God does not approve of that kind of stuff, and he will uh, punish those that engage in it. Uh, but on the flip side, the beautiful side is that if we are engaging in healthy relationships with our spouses, that there's nothing to be ashamed of, and we should enjoy it. And, and hopefully uh, we can enjoy it for a good long time, you know, um, uh, Abraham was in his nineties and still kicking up dust. You know? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> now let's let's dive off into the the 
the conversation that I know people are probably sitting there waiting to hear since we're all mm-hmm. talking about sex, mm-hmm. which is definitely in the church, same-sex marriage, mm-hmm. same-sex relationships. Mm-hmm. And we talked about um, a little bit two weeks ago how um, same-sex um, homosexuals been in the church mm-hmm. from day one and it was mm-hmm. continue to be some in there. How I know what the Bible says about it, mm-hmm. but how are we as a society or as a church mm-hmm. able to deal with it, to be able to move forward where no judgmental things on our congregation's minds, okay. so to speak? Well, I, I think one of the problems that we have uh, as, as, as Christians and as church folk in general is that we want to categorize sin Mm-hmm. and put some kind of priority on them that is not consistent with how God views it. Right. Right. So um, if you look at it in that context, so when someone says to me, well, um, uh, how do you view sex between same-sex couples? Well, they should be saying to me, how do you view sin Generically, yeah, right? Because how do I view sex between couples that are not of the same sex? Right? I, I, I view it no different, right? Uh, you know, if you if you if you are not of the same sex and you are the same sex, I view it no differently, right? Because it is what it is, right? Or, Pastor, how do you view people who lie? Well, you know, you're right. How long have there been liars in the church? <laughs> this is day one. This is day one, right? right? So we want to want to want to categorize them and say, well, one is worse than the other. You know, okay, the Bible says what that Jesus said, it was never God's intention for you to divorce your wife. But look how many people divorce their wives. Right. You know, who are in the church. Right. Right? As a matter of fact, Jesus said, if you do that and you put her away, you cause her to commit adultery if she go out and marry another man. Right? So how, why why do we decide that um, one form of what goes against God's original intention is worse than another form of what goes against God's original intention? Um, and, and when you do that, I think what we do is we discount who God is and what God's intention was, right? Um, there, there's a, a text in the Bible that talks about the things that God hates the most, Right. And the thing that it appears he hates the most is a liar. Right. Right. According to the Bible, you know, this is what he said, lying lips. Now, if God hates liars the most. (laughs) Yeah. Can anybody get into heaven? You know, so I guess my point being is that I understand your question, but I I mean, I, I can't say to you that. I, we we need to get upset with people who practice same sex marriage, but then say, "Well, I'm not going to get upset with people who practice lying." Right. So if if I think we at the church have to be honest about it, we can't be hypocritical about it. We have to either, as the scripture says, either you say if you break one law, you you know about breaking one law is like breaking them all. You know, you're still guilty. Or we have to just say, "Well, you know what? Christ died for our sins." And therefore, our sins are forgiven. It doesn't mean we should keep committing them, but our sins are forgiven. 
But if Christ died for my sin, he died for everybody's sins. Then it just is up to us, as we mentioned last week, make the decision that we're going to receive him as our Savior so our sins are covered. Right. So getting back to the original question, if I'm going to pass a law that says there should be no same-sex marriage from a biblical standpoint, I should pass a law that says there should be no lying either. Mm, good point. I should pass a law that says there should be no stealing and the punishment should be equal for anything that goes that goes against those laws, that are, you know, in right. the Bible. Now, here's what um, uh, Paul said uh, again, and it's going to mess some folk up, I know, and they might want to start clicking off on us. <laughs> when you look at um, the New Testament, and I'm not trying to discount the Old Testament, when you look at the New Testament in the book of Acts, there was an argument with Paul and Peter and some of the apostles about whether or not the Gentiles should keep those laws that we know are found in the Old Testament. And here's what they came up with. The apostle says this, how can we put on the Gentiles that which we ourselves cannot keep? So therefore, here's what they said. Write those of the Gentile churches and tell them that they should abstain from meat given to idols and abstain from fornication. And that was it. Simple. Just that simple. <laughs> so what were they saying? You better worship God and God only, right? Right. Because that meat given to idols is idol worship, right? And abstain from fornication. That was it. Now, I'm not saying that God don't want you to do more. I'm just saying that's what they came up with. Right. Jesus was asked a similar question, right? And Jesus said this, you know, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy mind, body, heart, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? He said, if you do this, right. you've done well. Right. See, because even Jesus was saying to us, you worry about the little things and make them big. And then the big things, you make them small, right? So in other words, why should I get upset with someone who, you know, does what I think is immoral, mm -hmm. but don't get upset with someone else who does something that's immoral? Right. It is what it is. Right. And so as a consequence, um, my position is simple, and that is, if I follow the, the Bible, then I have a prosperous life, and that should be my goal, to have a prosperous life, to have a life that's pleasing to God. And so from that standpoint, then that means my sexual encounters should be consistent with how the Bible sets things up. Mm -hmm. And what the Bible sets things up is that my sexual encounters should only be between a husband and a wife. Now, next question, I got to ask it, which is, would you counsel anybody that was in a same-sex marriage? I don't. Well, when you say counsel, you mean what? For what? Like, like couples therapy or anything like that. I don't. Yeah, and I, would, I, I, will, I will not uh, perform a same-sex marriage. And the reason why is because it's just like, for example, I don't counsel folk who I, I won't counsel you about staying in a marriage if you're not legally married, say if right. you're like shacking up or something. I, right. I don't counsel that either. Right. That don't mean I don't love you. Right. And it don't mean I 
will turn you away from the church because I won't. I, I think you should come. I think all should come. Right. All should come. It's just that, you know, my my take on the Bible is uh, it doesn't change how much I love you. It doesn't change how much I think God loves you. It, it doesn't. I think that that the sins that you and I may commit are no different than the sins anyone else commits. Right. You know, and now will, will I counsel you on other issues? Yes. I don't care whether you're in the same sex marriage or not. Right. I will counsel you on other issues, but I can't counsel you to do something or stay in something just that goes against what the Bible says. Gotcha. You know, like I won't counsel you on how to lie better. Right. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, and, and according to um, uh, the previous conversation we've had, we we might this is already built in. We, we talked about that. <laughs> we were almost born with it, so right. yeah. so yeah. with lying anyway. So um, it's interesting that that God would think that lying is the um, the worst sin because if you think about a lot of marital issues, mm-hmm. usually comes about from one of the other person. Lying, you know, it's like it, if you you go through the whole thing. First thing you, you, you know, couples there we talk about you know communication mm-hmm. or the lack thereof, but we hardly ever talk about the wrong communication, which is the lying part. Right? Like you said, you was at such such place, but you was really over there, mm-hmm. and and half the time they wasn't even cheating. They was just didn't want to tell you that they was at the bar. Or you know, right. but they want to tell you that it's at the store, right? And that causes a multitude of other issues to come up, which is born out of mm-hmm. that one sin, which is the lie. A- absolutely, and and, that one, and I'm just saying, now I'm saying he said these these things I hate, you know, yeah. So he said that's that's something that God hates. Now I'm not saying that that is the greatest sin. Okay, the I, greatest sin is not believing, right? Right? <laughs> right? That that he is God, right? Right? Uh, but, but if, so if I now believe that he is God, right, then that's what the Bible says he hates the most. But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm, I'm really, I'm saying it that way because I don't want folks to say, well, wait a minute, you just said that no one right. sin right. is greater than the other. And now you're saying that lying is the greatest sin. I'm not saying it's a greater one. There's no degree of sin. Right. All sin is equal. Sin is sin. So for all the liars out there, yeah, I'm not saying you're worse than anybody else. <laughs> I'm just saying, right. you know, sin is sin. But now, can you imagine, Pastor, if if we woke up tomorrow and everybody start telling the truth? I, I I can't envision a world like that. I wish there was a world like that, but I can't envision it. See, I, I think one of the things again when we talk about sin, I know we didn't drop, we jumped off sex, but that's okay. Right. We can go on, go to sin a little bit. Think about this, for example, if someone were to come here right now and shoot me dead. We, we, we wouldn't we would think that was horrific right if someone were to come in here right now and lie to me we wouldn't think nothing of it that's true because our concept of sin is based on our own morality right because our concept is that we just because we see something a certain way God sees it a certain way and I'm saying no that's that's not, that's not what right. the Bible teaches us it just doesn't you know we act like God is somehow like death to God is a big deal and that's the dumbest thing but with how we think why would death be a big thing to God when he himself is the one that ordained death? Right. You know, it, it ain't like he didn't set it up. He set it up. Right. And he set it up purposefully. You know, in the, the Bible that says, you know, the man born of a woman is of a few years, you know, meaning what? You're going to go away from here. You're going to die. Right. So God don't have a problem with death. Man got a problem with death. So we think it would have been a bad thing. How do we know God didn't have a problem with it? Let's face it. When Joshua went to Jericho, he said, kill everything. Kill everybody in there. 
right? Right. Same thing uh, when, when, when Gideon, he told Gideon, kill them all. We have a problem with that. Now, I don't recall anywhere in the, in the Bible where God says, go lie to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> lie to them all. Right. That's right. So he doesn't say do that, but he does tell them to go and kill. So, you know, I'm saying our morality is not necessarily God's morality because morality is a human concept. But but the legality and morality are, is not the same. Right. And so you look, yeah, you have, we have to look at the legal, the legal part of what the Bible says God wants us to do. What is the legal part of it? And, and you can't get caught up. Jesus said we were stranded a gnat and swallowed a camel. What is the, you know, when we look at sin, most of the time what we're looking at is two things. One is what will keep me out of heaven. Other is, you know, um, what will keep me out of heaven. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, bottom line is that. Right. That's our concept. Because that's the reason why we don't want to sin is because we don't want to get out of heaven. Right. I'm not sinning has nothing to, do, nothing to do with what we get on earth. That's the case. We would stop lying all the time. Right. We're trying to get out of heaven now. So how can can what I do get me out of heaven, right? Can 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 I can I lie my way out of heaven? Well, according to the Bible, the answer is no. Right. Right? Can I kill my way out of heaven? According to the Bible, the answer is no. Right. Why? Because the Bible says what? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? In Romans he says this. Who can separate us from the love of God? And then he goes on to say, you know, nothing. Nothing can do it. Nothing can do it. So if nothing can do it, that's my point. We get too caught up in the wrong thing because we're caught up on the little things and now look at the big picture. We're worried about who's sleeping with who Mm -hmm. and have hatred in our heart. Right. When the Bible says what God is keyed in on is how much love we have in our heart. Right. All right. So I, I mean, that's why I'm, and I'm not trying to minimize anything. I'm just trying to put it in perspective. Right. So from that standpoint, what we need to be looking at is, do I love? How much love do I have? And how do I show that love? Right. How do I show that love? And, and again, um, that's what that's that's really the the I guess the um, the, de- the the determining factor of whether or not it's sinful or not. And that is, it's what I'm doing exemplifying love. Because according to Jesus, if what I'm doing is exemplifying true love, God is pleased. It's not sin. Right. So, basically, get back to the sex. Mm -hmm. So, if you're doing the things the right way, they'll keep right on coming. Well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that's, I mean, if if you're doing the things like, like you just got through saying, and what have we talked about before? When you follow things in the Bible, and it may not be the way that you want to do it, mm-hmm. but if you go ahead and do it that way anyway, mm-hmm. good things start happening. And like I told you, I said I can't explain it, <laughs> and I'm to the point where I don't even want to even uh, like try to wrap my head around it. You know, it's like if I turn the TV on. And it cuts on mm-hmm. and the game's on. Do I be acting like, 
how does the TV work? Right. You know, where's the circuit board at? No, I just know it works. I'm happy. And I'm good with it. Right. right. You know, and then, then I pay my, my cable bill. <laughs> you know, so, so hey, you know, sometimes I think, Pastor, we get in the point of questioning God too much. Yes. And and questioning, like, why is this? Why is he's like, just listen to me. Mm-hmm. You know how we talk about with the father and, and you know, when you're dealing with your children. Just listen mm-hmm. to what I'm telling you to do and then do it. Absolutely. And see, I, I would encourage every couple, I would encourage every individual, whether you're a couple or not, to, to understand that because single people need to understand that as well as married people. You know, because if you're single, you're going hopefully, well, I should say hopefully, most married single people are looking to be married, mm-hmm. right? Read Solomon's work. That, that Song of Songs. Read it and understand because that is the book that explains true intimacy. Not sex, but true intimacy. Right. But it tells you what leads to having a great physical relationship with your spouse. Right. And, and then if you're wondering if, well, Wait a minute. Are we getting a little too freaky for, to be a Christian? Is, is this too, too, <laughs> too freaky for Christian hood? Right. Are we doing something? We're going to be ashamed to look at each other in the morning once we finish. Then the Hebrew makes it clear. You know, Hebrews 13 uh, makes it clear. It says that the marriage bed is undefiled, which means what? Hey, listen, if my wife and I are pleasing to one another, what we're doing is pleasing to one another. The marriage bed is undefiled that, that, that we to engage in a relationship that brings us both that joy. And the greatest joy you're going to get is if you've had an intimate relationship all day long. Right. The average uh, wife will tell you, if you, we've been fussing uh, all day. Don't be coming in here and get in bed, <laughs> you know, like everything's all right. Right. You, you know, but, and, and I'm saying the wife, but even the guys sometimes, you know, right. you know, if you wouldn't cook dinner and you acting all evil all day long and, you know, no, come on, leave me alone watching the game. Right. But if we have been, if we have a true intimate relationship, a true intimate relationship, then that allows for that joy of, 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 of a physical relationship. Right. You know, a, a wise man told me who, um, was not necessarily sir, not necessarily biblically inclined. He said to me, uh, "Make love to a woman's mind before you think about touching her body." You know, and that's kind of what the Bible says: right. is that listen, it's about the intimacy, not just about the physical act. Very good advice. Thank y'all so much for joining us. This is your host, CD Baker. Till next time.